The traffic jams also for going down to the coast this morning are massive. You made a wise decision to stay here, believe me. They're absolutely massive. We're going to be continuing our series this morning, uh, Exploring Membership, Part 3. Um, two weeks ago, we started this series. If you, haven't had a, if you weren't able to be with us on one of these Sundays, uh, I would urge you to try and get hold of the recordings. I know we've been having some problems with our website. Um, uh, certainly, hopefully this week, we'll actually relaunch our website, which will have a new way of uh, downloading recordings on it and podcasts and various other things. And so it should get a lot easier after this week. Uh, I would encourage you, keep on persisting. They will eventually download, even if uh, first attempt, perhaps they don't. Um, This week, what we're going to do is we want to explore something of our doctrinal values together this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but... Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Somebody gets excited about values. That's great. Um, I guess the challenge with wanting to explore our doctrinal values is this. We've got loads. And how on earth are you going to do this in the next five hours? We did warn you about that, didn't we? Did bring sandwiches? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, 30 minutes to explore our doctrinal values together. It's like, man alive, how are we going to do this? And uh, what, we, what we ended up doing as we were talking about them is we said, actually, there's really three core values. And actually, most other things flow out of three core values. So we've ended up with three core values. That's not to say we don't value other things. Okay? It's just saying these are three core values, and out of these, most other things will flow. So if you find that I don't mention something you really value very dearly in these three core values, that's quite possible. But don't panic. Look back and think, actually, yeah, okay, are these within that? And you know, if you're concerned, feel free to come and have a chat. And you know, why haven't you talked about this or that or the other? I think the other comment I just want to make, though, as we uh, talk about values, of course, values is an odd thing. You know, what is a value? Well, they're things which are important to us. But some of us will also make personal preferences our values, but actually sometimes they are just that, personal preferences. And what we're trying to uh, develop here is our core doctrinal values, Okay, these are uh, things which we believe to be doctrinal. They're fundamental to who we are as a church. They're fundamental to who we are as believers. And so you may find that some of these things uh, aren't personal preferences, no. How we break bread together or or things like that. Yeah, there could be a whole shed load of those. We could write another hundred, a list of another hundred things probably on that. What we're trying to focus here on is doctrinal, core doctrinal values. So you may say, oh, I wonder what these are going to be. Well, let's, let's just uh, list them, and then we'll go through them. The first one's this, is that we are Bible-based, or we're Bible-defined. The second one is that we are Spirit-empowered. And the third one is this, that we are grace-filled. Grace-filled. And we'll give probably about six, seven, eight minutes to each one of these. Um, uh, this morning, and we'll just sort of give a broad overview of why these are important values and what these look like for us. So the first one is that we are Bible-defined or word-defined. Our fundamental conviction is that the Bible is God's 
word. And it should shape all that we believe and therefore do. I just want to say that again. Our fundamental conviction as elders of this church is the Bible is God's word and will shape all that we believe and do. We believe it's absolutely truthful. I, it is without error. It's sufficient. And it's the final authority. And therefore, that means that the Bible will have central place in how, in, in governing our doctrine, our practice, what we do, our ethos, how we feel as a church, our patterns of church life, that the Bible should define all of that. Now, you may say, well, Andrew, <laughs> yeah, okay, get that, but you know, surely, can you give us a bit more detail? Can you give us a bit more detail? Well, we're part of something called the Evangelical Alliance. Who's heard of the Evangelical Alliance as a matter of interest? Okay, so a good proportion of us, good proportion of us heard of it. For those of you who haven't heard of the Evangelical Alliance, it is that. It's an alliance of evangelical churches. You may say, what's an evangelical church? An evangelical church or an evangelical person is somebody who puts the word of God as supreme in their lives. That's a very, very simple word-based people. That We are an evangelical church. We believe in the word of God, the sufficiency of the word of God, the importance of the word of God. And... Um, as part of the Evangelical Alliance, uh, we uh, are signed up to the Evangelical Alliance's statement of belief, the doctrinal statement of faith. And uh, this is it here. There's 11 points. If you'd like a copy, we have copies on the information table over there. You can pick one up. If we run out, we'll send you, uh, you can get a link. We'll put a link, hopefully, in this week's notice sheet. Dave's nodding wisely. Um, thank, thank you, Dave. Uh, and you can, you can just go on the Evangelical Alliance website at any point in time. Everything that's on here, we agree with. And you know that covers a whole load of stuff in terms of who God is, uh, nature of God, uh, authority of the, of the, uh, of the, of the Scriptures, uh, dignity of people, incarnation of God's Son, toning sacrifice of Christ, body resurrection of Christ, justification of sinners, ministry of God's Holy Spirit, the church, and the return of Jesus. That's my quick summary of what's on this sheet. Uh, I'm not going to read it all to you now. But if, if you wonder what we believe, there's, is a, that is a great uh, next layer of explanation of what we believe, what, what we hold uh, true, what we hold dear to our hearts in terms of the word. I just want to very briefly, you don't need to turn to this. You're welcome to if you want to. I'm just going to read two verses from uh, the book of 2 Timothy, which just says this. You, many of you already know this, but just to underline what we're saying, all Scripture is God-breathed, all Scripture. It's come from God, and it's useful for teaching. That's to teach us, to train us, rebuking. That's to challenge us. It's to say, hey, come on. Scripture is going to challenge us. It's going to bring a rebuke to us at times where we go, oh, wow, that needs to change in my life. I'm not living out what we see in Scripture in my life. There's a problem. It will challenge us. It will rebuke us. It will correct us, the third word it says. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. 
Sometimes we don't need to be uh, rebuked in the say, you've got that wrong. We just need scripture to come alongside us and say, hey, come on, this is the way to live. This is the way of righteousness. This is the path of righteousness. This is how we are to live in much more that's coming alongside, correcting sort of way. But sometimes it's rebuking as well. And training in righteousness. You want to live a righteous life? Scripture gives us the framework. It gives us the way in which to live our lives as believers. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you ever feel you're not equipped? Do you ever say to yourself, I wish I knew how to... Dot, 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 dot. Whatever it is, fill in the gap. The, the word of God actually has comments on all the essential aspects of life. All of them. How to be a good father. How to be a good mother. How to be good parents. How to parent. How to be a child. A, a good employer. And a good employee. How to be a great lover. Scripture's got that in it. Yeah, it has. It's full. It's full. How, how to avoid temptation. How to deal with relationship difficulties. And so, so, so much more. It's packed full. It's packed full of great I was going to say the word stuff. That's a bad word to use. Great instruction for us. If you don't feel equipped in life, turn to the word of God. It's powerful. It's a double-edged sword. It's a powerful thing. While just talking about being word-defined, I just want to also bring a caution here. You know, sometimes in Christian circles, we can find it's not a passion for the word which is an issue. But it's actually how we interpret and apply the word. You know, it's very easy to allow a particular passion for something to turn us into, well, I'm rabid about this subject this subject, this is the really important thing in scripture, it's this subject, I don't know what that subject is, maybe it's nothing in your life, maybe actually as I'm speaking the spirit of God's just stirring something where you realise perhaps actually I've got out of balance I'm so focused on this bit of scripture I'm not really considering the rest of scripture it could be about all sorts of things we do need to understand that it's the whole of scripture We don't just spend all our life in one particular book of the Bible or one chapter of the Bible or or following a particular theme. You know, there are some things in Scripture which, to be frank, we will never always agree on. Theologians will never agree on because some things God's left some mystery where we can't be definitive. We can't say it's categorically this or that. I could talk about creation. Is it a literal seven-day creation or not? I bet if we started that conversation in this room, there would be people with different views. That's fine. That's fine. We do not know. And where we don't know things like that, we will teach what Scripture teaches and say, guys, we need to understand there are different ways you can interpret this. Because we can't be dogmatic about it. 
It may not be its creation. It may be something completely different. Maybe it's the second coming. Are you amillennial or premillennial? Sorry, what do you mean by those questions? I don't know. Maybe it's something else. It's so easy to get wrapped up. You know, Paul puts lots of warnings about that in his various letters. You know, writing to Titus, in Titus 3, verse 9 and 10, he says this, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Wow. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Whew. That's fairly straightforward, really, isn't it? You know, there's so much of the word which is very, very clear, which we need to put into practice in our lives. Basically, just saying, hey, let's watch out, watch our hearts, that we don't become divisive over these things. It's not that we can't have a view, no, because the whole of Scripture is good. But let's just watch our hearts and our attitudes. When we start banging a drum... To the exclusion of everything else. We need to watch out. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. These are unprofitable and useless. In other words, there are other things we need to focus on which are profitable and which do have use. And you know, it's not just there that Paul warns about this. He warns the Colossians in Colossians 2.4. He warns Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 2.23. And again in 1 Timothy uh, 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 one, three to seven. He, he's got lots of warnings. Let's be careful what we focus on. We've got a mighty God to focus on. Almighty God. To love, to worship, to delight in. He's given, yes, us his whole word. Yes, absolutely. But he's also given us a commission. We're called people. We're called to be sons and, children, uh, sons and daughters of Almighty God who delight in him, who worship him first and foremost. And as part of that, then, we need to love one another well. And as we love one another well, we need to remember that we also need to love those who don't yet, uh, don't yet know Jesus just as well. And if we've got that in our heart, then we're not going to get wrapped up into division. We're going to be focused on the things which are right and important and good. So let's watch our hearts, let's watch our attitudes, let's stay focused on putting his word into practice through loving God, loving one another, and seeing his kingdom come in all its fullness. I want to conclude this first point with this question. Are our lives in submission to, shaped and defined by the word of God? Does it speak into our lives? Or do we stand in judgment over it? Say, oh, I'm not prepared to listen to that bit. Perhaps choosing what we do like and leaving what we don't. We know the word of God is dynamic. It brings change. It's that double-edged sword. It will cut cleanly through things. Do we let it? Have we got a hunger for the word of God? Where we say, yeah, I want to let it define my life. Or do we say, "Hmm, no, I'll define it. I'll tell it what I'm prepared to accept. 
I'll control it. The second core doctrine is this. We want to be a people who are spirit-empowered and led. I'm going to read this bit to you because it's been crafted and uh, I don't want to get the words wrong. (laughs) In addition to affecting regeneration, this is what we believe about the Holy Spirit. In addition to affecting regeneration and sanctification, okay, so he's involved in the regeneration, the, the, the change in our hearts and lives as we're changed and transformed, and sanctification, that's going on making us holy. We believe the Holy Spirit also empowers believers for Christian witness and service. While all genuine believers have the Holy Spirit in them at conversion, the New Testament clearly indicates the importance of an ongoing, empowering work of the Spirit subsequent to conversion as well. And we believe that the baptism in the Spirit is the first occasion of being filled with the Spirit. It's distinct but not necessarily subsequent experienced conversion. This filling with the Spirit brings believers into a place of assurance of salvation. I'm saved. Identity in Christ. I'm the Father's Son. And leads to genuine freedom. A confidence in us of who we are and who God is in us. And in equipping to live out our lives for God's glory. That's what we believe in to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. Now you may say, Andrew, there is a lot of long words in there. And that was very, very full sentences. Please, yeah, we will provide some notes for a follow-up in the life group. And please, you're very welcome to hopefully listen to this recording as soon as it gets up. You may want to go back over it. But really what we're saying is the work of the Holy Spirit is crucial to our lives. It's, it's, he's not an optional add-on, but he's essential to every believer's life. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, washed with the Holy Spirit. Literally, that baptized, to be immersed, plunge in, just as we would baptize people here. <laughs> Some may be thinking, yeah, please, today, <laughs> cool off. Plunged, immersed in water, immersed in the Holy Spirit. So that he can lead us, he can empower us, he can guide us in our lives. But we don't just stop there. We also believe that the Spirit's gifts are given today to all who seek them and ask. To express, we want to express and develop these in our life as a church. We want to be a people who use the gifts of the Spirit. Not just in the place of worship on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week. As we seek to see his kingdom come in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the shops, or wherever else we happen to be. We believe every believer is called to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit as part of God's desire to empower us for Christian life and for witness. I'll chuck out a few references at this point just to, uh, which you may want to go away and read, um, but as I say, these will be in the notes. Uh, You may want to look at Acts 1, verses 7 to 8, Galatians 3, verses 1 to 5, Ephesians 5, verse 18, and 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 4 to 7. Those would all be good passages to consider if you're wanting to chew on what, what we've just been saying. I just want to ask this simple question. Is that you? 
Do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and led throughout life by him? Because that's the Father's desire for each of us. And that's the sort of church we are convinced as elders God's calling us to be. That's why it's a core doctrinal value for us, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Is it for you? Do you have that conviction? That's not a problem if you don't yet, if you're open to. But yeah, please understand, that's where we're going. That's who we are as a church. That's the sort of church we want to be. And then thirdly, we want to be a grace-filled community. Third value. Grace-filled community. What do we mean by grace? It's this sort of feels a bit like a Christian jargon word. You know, are we talking about saying thank you for our food? Is that grace? What's, what do we mean by grace? Grace is the undeserved kindness and love of God. I guess the best definition of the grace of God is this. It's that Jesus, uh, the, the Father sent Jesus, his son, to die for us, even though we didn't deserve anything, that we can be restored to the Father, that our sin can be dealt with, and that we can be brought into relationship, despite our sin and our shame, with Father God in heaven. And not only that, that the Father then also, as Jesus is resurrected, sends his Holy Spirit to come and dwell in believers to enable us to live out this thing, this relationship with Almighty God, to empower us, to walk with us. Yeah, God is gracious. I think sometimes we think God is some sort of harsh taskmaster, some tyrant, now, let's, let's not do God down. He's holy. And we need to understand he's holy. He can have nothing to do with sin. But we also need to understand that he's merciful, that he's gracious. Psalm 86, 15 says this. You, O Lord, are a merciful, uh, sorry, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Wow. That's who we come to. That's who God is. That's part of the nature and character of God. He's merciful. He's gracious. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. And if we want to understand a bit more, therefore, about what it means to be a people of grace, Paul writes so fully on it in Ephesians 2. referred to it last week. I'm going to read some of uh, these verses from Ephesians 2. He starts off, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Do you know that's you? That's where we started. Each and every one of us, we were dead. Dead in our transgression and sin. Without hope in ourselves. Wow. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Yeah, he's just really relaying that. He's saying, hey, come on, guys, understand that's where you were. 
gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That's God's wrath. Because we hadn't resolved issue of sin at that point. But, I love Paul's buts. They're so good. But, because of his great love for us, that's what motivates Scott. His great love, he is loving. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he's rich in mercy, wow. He's rich, but he's rich in mercy. Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our sin, when we were alienated from God because of our sin and our shame. God makes us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace. See, we can't earn it. We can't justify ourselves before Almighty God. There's no way we can do that. It's only in Christ. It's only through the cross of Christ that we can come to know the Father, God of all, the greatest Father ever, Father God in heaven. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Do you know that you're raised up in Christ? And do you know, in order that in the coming riches he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, he uses us to express the incomparable riches of his grace to others. We're emissaries, emir, emissaries, can't pronounce that well, of God's grace. We are agents of God's grace. That's who we're called to be, agents of God's grace, just because of all that he's done in us. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What a powerful summary of the grace of God in that passage. What an amazing summary of the grace of God. We can't do anything. We were useless. We were bound up in our sin and shame. We were alienated from the Father. And then God in his grace reveals the nature of Jesus, reveals his master plan to us. And our hearts are strangely warmed to the grace of God. And our minds come to understand God's master plan. And we bend the knee and we say, hey, God, there's nothing in me. I recognize I'm just a bag of shame and guilt. And wow, it's nothing which justifies me before you. But Christ, who is sufficient for everything I could have ever done wrong. Everything I could have ever done wrong. He's sufficient. His death on the cross, pure and holy sacrifice, saviour of the world. His death on the cross is sufficient for all my sin and shame that I can come and know the love of God and have relationship with, the Father, with Father God in heaven. Wow. Wow. 
How precious, how wonderful. So we want to be a church who celebrate the grace of God. We want to be a grace-filled community. What's that mean? Well, we want to celebrate this grace. We want to know it deep in our hearts. We want to remind ourselves of it. We want to encourage one another to enjoy the grace of God. And as we do so, we want to then let that grace which we've received from God shape how we live our lives. We want to let it shape how we deal with one another in this church. We want to be a community of grace. But we don't want to just hold it into this community. We want to be a community which looks to express that same grace of God to the world around us, to our neighbours, to our friends. We want it to shape how we serve those who are needy or hurting or distressed or poor, how we treat one another. It, we want it to affect every aspect of our lives individually and corporately. And in so doing, therefore, we need to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard against the things which aren't of grace. Legalism, the evil influence of legalism, of religious spirits, of the, the shoulds, the musts, the performance. No, no, we live under grace. We live under grace. It's not about what I've got to do. It's about what I want to do because of the love of God, because of the relationship I have with Almighty God. I think so often... We can become very religious about, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. No, no, hey, no. Those things may be good to do. They may help our relationship with God, but we do them out of relationship, not out of a list of, I've got to do X, Y, and Z to perform to be a good Christian. And we need to help one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to watch out for legalism. And we need to encourage one another into grace. And out of the grace of God, because we understand that we had nothing, we will be a servant-hearted people. The grace of God brings us to that place where we have humility and where we serve. We don't look to be served, but we serve. We serve one another. We serve the community around us. Do you know the grace of God? Is the grace of God core in your life? Is it a core part of who you are? Is it a core part of who we are? Well, we want it to be one of our core values. The grace of God. Grace is challenging to work out. At times you may think, hang on, surely you should tell them off. Why, can't, why are you expressing grace and love? Surely you should be saying you're useless and rubbish. No. No, we don't seek to condemn. That's what Satan does. We deal with sin, for sure. And there's discipline. But actually, it's done out of relationship. It's done out of love. It's done out of the grace of God. Not out of, well, you haven't met the score. You are, you, you, you're below 99%. Yeah, join the club. The rest of us are too. Do we know the grace of God? Has it transformed our lives? Not just tickled our ears and sounded nice, but, well, yeah, it's okay, but I don't really want to engage with it fully. Has it actually got into our hearts and our lives? Has it transformed us? Has it wrought transformation? Has it brought us peace with God? Has it brought us that liberty which God desires each and every one of us to have? That freedom. Friends, we're on a grace journey. We often use this language, we're on a journey together as a church. We are. 
but it's about the grace of God. That's what brings us into the journey. It's what brings us into the church in the first place, the grace of God. Be on a grace journey. Let's continue to learn. I need to learn more about the grace of God. I too. You, 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 you probably won't believe this, but Ed will confirm this on Kitwill as well. There are moments where I lack grace in my parenting skills. Shock horror. No, Ed's laughing. He knows. There are moments where I lack grace for other things. I need you to help me find grace at times. And you need me to do the same for you and each other. There will be moments where we still have to get hold of the grace of God. But in parts of our lives, it's a grace journey. And we're going to keep on looking for the grace of God until that day where it's ultimately fulfilled as we get welcomed into heaven. And we stand before the throne of Almighty God. I'm looking forward to that day. But until then, let's live out the grace of God. Let's encourage one another in the grace of God. Let's grow in the grace of God. Let's express it in every way in which we can to all that we can. Three simple doctrinal values, but profound in their effect, defining of where we're going and who we are as a church. First and foremost, the word, the ultimate authority over our lives, which brings us to the Father, brings a revelation of the grace of God and everything else we're talking about, which shapes everything. We want to be a word-defined people who engage fully with the word. Secondly, we know we can't do this without the work of the Spirit in our lives. So we want to be Spirit-empowered and Spirit-led as a people. The whole doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, of spiritual gifts, something we'll revisit regularly because it's an important thing to, to, that we grow in this and we live, it out, live out a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, we want to be a grace-filled people as well. People who know the grace of God and express the grace of God. And if we grab hold of those three things, I would want to suggest to you that everything else will fall within those. All those other values we can have, which are good and healthy, they'll come under those. They'll be defined by the word. We'll be led into them by the Spirit and we'll be enabled because of the grace of God to actually live out all those other things. Friends, let's be a people of the word, a people of the spirit, and a people of the grace of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, during our time of worship, there were a number of people who, had, uh, who felt the spirit of God stirring them to come and share things. And I think, uh, are you happy to do this, Helen? Yeah. Helen's going to just come and share what those are as we conclude our meeting. And uh, then we'll probably offer the opportunity for prayer, but I'll, I'll, I won't tell Helen what we're doing. I will come under her guidance on this.